0: This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending to him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, I take delight in You. Can we read verse 11 again because that's our key text today. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, I take delight in You. What beautiful words those are. Many things are happening in this passage. And just to give you the correct context, this was Jesus' first public appearance He had been in obscurity, and now he was launching his ministry, and he was doing so as an example to us. It's one of the strongest Trinitarian passages you'll have. One of the things you need to understand that we strongly believe in the Trinity, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are individual yet one. And that goes back to the Nicene Creed. Every evangelical, Bible-based, orthodox, normal church believes in the Trinity. Now here's the trick to that. The Trinity, the word Trinity is not even in the Bible. It's not in in the Bible, you won't see that. And so these kind of passages where you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together, they're very important to note. And once you understand that the Trinity is clearly in the Bible, you will see the harmony of the three Godheads who are one God working together. It's a mystery that makes me know that God is God and I am human. Because I've studied it, and it's so big to get your mind around, it makes you realize how great our God is, and and it's a beautiful, beautiful doctrine. The New American Standard version says something uh, uses an important word in Mark 1:10. You can see it on the screen. It uses the word immediately. Immediately coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open. The word is used. 41 times in the book of Mark. And I wanted to make note of that because the book of Mark is different from the other Gospels in the sense that it is action-oriented, it moves fast, it doesn't get bogged down in the details, it just goes from story to story to story, and that word immediately is used several times. Now, the question immediately comes to us, why was Jesus baptized? This is a question that we could spend a lot of time on. Why was He baptized? But... Simply, I want you to know a few things, and this is important for those of you who are considering baptism next Sunday. And I want to encourage all of you to consider baptism. Jesus was perfect, and He was sinless. So He was not baptized for the eradication of sin because there was no sin in Jesus, none whatsoever. He was sinless. But yet He chose to be baptized for a particular reason. He chose to be baptized as an example to us. Now I want you to look real quick in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Now, I've given you just some theology today. I'm going to make you eat your veggies this morning, and then we'll get to the practical stuff that applies to your life. But how many know that theology is important, that we talk about some of these issues? So we will look at some of these things, and then we we have some, uh, some practical application to your life. Matthew 3, 13 through 15 says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. This is the same story from a different account. In verse 14, But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. In 15, Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, and this is a very, very important phrase in your Bible, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. Let me just be very clear about something. Our church, we don't believe you have to be baptized to be saved. It's an outward expression of what God's done on the inside. Now, having said that and established that fact, I'm going to give you another opinion of mine. We greatly undervalue the importance of water baptism. So I'm going to say this. If you have not been baptized in water, I'm not questioning your salvation and you're still going to go to heaven just like the thief on the cross was going to be with Jesus in paradise the day he died. But if you have been saved and you're a believer in Jesus and you haven't been baptized, there's something not fulfilled in your life. Because baptism is helps us fulfill righteousness in our life. We are not complete until we have obeyed what Jesus said. And he said, you do this immediately after you're saved. So I want to encourage all of you to be baptized in water. The question is, can children be baptized in water? Yes, I get baptized when I was five years old. Now, if you're not ready for your kindergartner to be baptized in water, that's fine. That's an individual family decision. The way I look at it is this. If a child understands salvation and is willing, let's not hold them back. And then, at a later date, as an adult, it would be quite appropriate for them to be baptized again. There's nothing in the Bible that says can't be baptized more than once we want people to feel secure in their salvation so um, if i'm having to baptize you five times a year i'm not preaching very good because you don't understand salvation that's why we say you only get baptized once because we want to make sure people know you only get saved once and and i'm with you on that I'm, i'm for the security of the believer but there's nothing that restricts you from multiple baptisms are you with me on that so i say all of that that it is very important that we are baptized in water and that we can look back and have a significant public physical experience. That's what water baptism is. Well, let's now talk a little bit about this passage and how it can apply to us today and how it can bring encouragement to our life. I love the way the New King James puts verse 11. It says this. You can look on the screen. And this is might be the way you have remembered the story. A voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. One of the reasons I love this so much, I have a good friend of mine, some of you know him, Jeremy McCoy, and his father would always introduce Jeremy and say, this is my son, Jeremy, in whom I'm well pleased. And can I tell you, there was just something cool about that. There is a pride in that father's voice, and Jeremy, when he would hear that, I could see how much he enjoyed hearing that from his father, even though sometimes it felt awkward when you heard it the first time or different. What a beautiful thing to say. And often I've used that, and I'll say that to my Lincoln right here. This is my son Lincoln, in whom I'm well pleased. There's such an important, important aspect of how we use our voice to bless our children. And a father's voice, a father's voice has a great authority and power to bless. And if you're taking notes on your bulletin, look at the bulletin right now. I've a couple of organizational points. And the first one is a voice. I want to talk to you about a voice. The voice of a father brings correction. It brings love, power, tenderness, and sometimes all in the same sentence. There's just something about a father's voice and when Jesus was baptized he heard the voice of the father the voice of the father was audible to Jesus and he heard Jesus he heard affirmation from his father and all of us have experienced that kind of voice before in our natural life even for those of you who don't have a relationship with your biological father or your biological father has never said anything good to you, I bet if you really think about it, you've had father-type voices in your life. Voices that have brought you comfort and correction and power and love and tenderness. I think about the pastor I grew up under, Don George. He was my pastor all the way through college. And I heard him preach Sunday after Sunday. And even to this day, when I hear his voice, uh, whether it's through a podcast or uh, an occasional phone call, that voice brings a certain level of comfort because he is a father-type figure. Just by sitting under his preaching, my whole life. The voice, a man's voice. This Father's Day, so I'm not trying to exclude you, ladies. You, you had your day last month, but a man's voice. A man's voice has a unique, a unique way to pierce to the heart of an individual. Our voice. And our words are so important. To the infant, the father's voice calms the infant as the infant takes a nap. To the fifth grade boy, the father's voice, it keeps the ball from being thrown in the living room or the cafe out there. So y'all quit throwing the ball. To the eighth grade girl, the father's voice reminds her that she's the prettiest girl in the whole world. And only he can tell her that. To the 11th grade boy, the father's voice says, slow down the car, you're going too fast. The father's voice, such a rhythm of comfort, correction, affirmation, warning. It's love and power mixed in a beautiful way. And so when Jesus heard the voice from heaven, the voice from heaven said, that's my son. That voice, you know a little bit more how it felt. They hear the father's voice. A friend of mine, he was a evangelist and he had small babies. He had multiple babies. And I remember he was when I was in junior high, he was preaching at a camp. And at this particular camp, a huge storm blew through the camp. All the electricity went out. There was no sound system, there was no lights, there was no media. And it kind of produced an atmosphere of anxiety in the room. And and just to be honest with you, for teenagers who needed a, a good butt kicking sermon, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, that we were just a little scared. God's going to send your wrath in a tornado right now. And this speaker, he he had his babies with him, and they were triplets. And his wife had one of the babies, and a couple of the others had the babies. And the babies were fussy, and they and they felt the anxiety, but. I'll never forget what happened because when he started preaching and the babies heard the voice of the Father, even though it was dark and the atmosphere was anxious, it calmed the babies. And that's what the voice of the Father does for us. You know, I don't want to project what Jesus was feeling. That was not the intention of this passage to wonder what Jesus was feeling. But all I know is this, is that for you and I, when we enter a new phase of our life, We're going to some place that we've never been, and we have a new responsibility, and we have new expectations, and we have new challenges. The voice we need to hear, more than any other voice, more than the voice of our spouse, and more than the voice of those we lead, and more than the voice of our mentors, we need to hear the voice of the Father. The voice of the Father who says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you are loved by me, and I take delight in you. Can I tell you that the Father is speaking to you today? He's speaking to you because He always speaks to you at just the right time. You know, there's been times in my life when I've been discouraged, and I just kind of wish, I I prayed prayers like this, Lord, it would be great to get a phone call right now or an email, or it would be great if this person understood what I was going through, or it would be great if this person recognized what I was going through. It would be great if I got a prophetic word right now. And all those things have been helpful in the right time. But can I tell you, there's no encouragement like the encouragement of the Father. When you get alone with Him, He always knows how to encourage us in just the right way. And He claims to you and says, You're my daughter. You're my son. When we're discouraged, His voice can encourage us like no other voice. When we're on the brink of sin, His voice warns us and cautions us when we're afraid, His voice pierces through our darkness, and it brings us peace. Can I just ask you today can you hear the Father's voice? Can you hear His voice today? Because He wants you to hear Him. When we hear His voice, when we hear His voice, there's a peace that He'll send into our lives. Verse 11, the key verse of this text, it says, you are my beloved son i take delight in you it was a actual a synergy of two old testament verses psalms 2 chapter 2 verse 7 a messianic psalm prophesied this and said i will declare the lord's decree he said to me you are my son today i have become your father it's so great to be claimed by a father and all of us have been claimed. All of us have been claimed. He has put His adoption upon us. He has set His name upon us. We are His sons and His daughters. And His voice wants to be clear to you today. second word I want to talk to you about, and the second word that's in verse 11, is a beautiful word called beloved. Beloved. My father... One thing that he gave to me that I'm so grateful for is that uh, I lived with this underpinning of support from him. He really did love me deeply and just delighted in me and just enjoyed the activities I was involved in. And I always knew my dad was proud of me. And me and Beth, we got engaged in November of 1997. And uh, she had never, she only met my parents one time. Um, They flew into town. We met at the Luby's. I said, what and she left to go to work. I said, what do you think of her? They said, she seems like a great girl. I said, can I have money to buy a ring? So that's how that all happened. There was none of this, let's get to know each other. I just didn't like my parents to be entangled in, in my few relationships, and so I just wanted to close the deal and go for it. So that's how that all worked. So her parents had never met. It was one of those deals that the first time the two parents... Met was uh, was the day before the wedding, and they had dinner together. With the exception of her dad, her dad had come through Dallas on a business trip and, and met my parents, and so there was goodwill. So we we got engaged in November, and Christmas was coming up, and so there was the obligatory exchange of Christmas cards. And we exchanged. My, my parents sent Christmas cards up to the halls up in Kentucky, and they sent one back to Texas. But Beth told me a little something that. I just couldn't believe my ears when she heard me. She said, Erin, my mom called today and she got a Christmas card from your parents and it had a picture of you when you played football in high school. I was like, what? So I called my mom and, and it was kind of embarrassing to me. I said, Mom, why in the world would you send a picture of me playing football? She said, son, I would never do that. What happened? And we found out that my dad Took that Christmas card and on its way to the post office, reopened it, put in a picture of me playing football, and sealed it up and sent it to Kentucky. And I, I said, Dad, and I just scolded him good. I was like, Dad, That is embarrassing. You now the funny part is, I said, Why in the world did they do that? And he said, Well, son, I just wanted them to know that you're no slouch. That uh, you know you uh, you play football in high school. Well, well, Peggy Beth's mom heard about that and said, Well, I'm going to send back a cheerleading picture of Beth. <laughs> And then the contest was on. So from that point forward, it was like, whose kid was greater? So, And truly, that was embarrassing to me, and, and I was upset. And now, on a day like this, I look back and say, oh, how fortunate I was to have that father who loved me and was proud of me. Isn't that a great word, the word beloved? He has set his love upon us. Back when we did a series on, on Haggai, Haggai 2.23. I did a whole sermon on this, but I just wanted to reread this today. Haggai chapter 2 verse 23. On that day, the declaration of the Lord of hosts, I will take you and make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. The signet ring was the most valuable possession a king had. And the Lord said, and this is a rubable, if you look at that scripture, and I believe it applies to you today I have made you my signet ring. I have made you my chosen one. You have great value to me. You're one of my chosen possessions. Beth referenced Zechariah 2 8. I didn't know she was going to do it in the NIV version. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Go to the NIV version first, the next scripture. After he has honored me and sent me against the nations that have purchased. that that have plundered you. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Beth made a reference to that in worship. What a phrase, the apple of his eye. It's not a phrase we use much today. But that means a treasured possession. The New Living Translation, let's look at that, gives us more clarity. It says, After a period of glory, the lords of Heaven's armies sent me against the nation who plundered you. For he said, now think about this, anyone who harms you Harms my most precious possession. Do you hear the passion of the Father for you? You are His beloved. He has set His love upon you. You are beloved of God. And He has set His love love upon you you are his greatest possession you are the apple of his eye he will defend your cause he will fight for you he will defend you because you are beloved of him there's a movie i've been watching this this week that um, i haven't finished the movie i've watched it in like 15 minute segments and whenever i bring up a movie i'm treading thin ice because i haven't seen the end so if there's an inappropriate part i just preemptively repent is that cool um it's called. This is such a guy title. Live free or die hard. Bruce Willis in this movie. It's just he does physical feats that are both mentally and physically impossible. It's comical because of all of the things he survives. I mean, he he survives just. Uh, it's kind of like a 24 episode. Just survives stuff he shouldn't survive, and it's just a real manly movie. So manly that I can't get Beth to sit down and watch it with me. I'm like, "Hey, you want to watch this movie?" She's like, "Nope," and she just zooms to the living room. Uh, and he he is just a stud in this. I mean, just just does remarkable, epic type of epic type of uh, behavior that is just unbelievable because it's a movie. But can I tell you this, is that if you think that is tough, try taking one of you guys that are sitting out here, when you have a teenage daughter who's ready to date, can tell you, Bruce Willis has nothing on you guys. Because there is a fury, there is a passion, there is a, um, a sense of protection and honor that you men have towards your daughters. I know I've seen the fire in your eyes, and I've heard you talk about it. God has that same kind of passion for us because we are His beloved. He is committed to protect us. He is committed to defend us. He has chosen us, and He has set His love upon us. That's why the last word I want to share with you is the word delight. Delight. See, God doesn't just love us because He has to. It's not a position That is in His job description. Because He's God, He has to love us. Because He's a Father, I guess He has to love us. No, He delights in us. He loves our lives. He delights in who we are. Isaiah 42.1. This is the second part of that Scripture that makes up Mark 1.11. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. The Father God said, He said, You are my beloved son. I take delight in you. You are my beloved daughter. I take delight in you. The voice, the beloved, the delight. That's the Father's heart towards me. You know, one of the great inventions of the last decade to me have been landing lanyards, you know, the, you put it around your neck and you have a little badge like this. And the reason why lanyards are much better than name tags, because you know, name tags, you put them on, they leave a residue on your shirt, and they kind of crinkle up, and they're hard to read. And But lanyards are kind of cool. They're right there. So I much prefer lanyards over name tags. And I much prefer name tags over buttons. The buttons just are not cool. And I'm just praying to God no one has a button because if you have a button in here today, it's a cool button. But uh, to me, I didn't think that one through. But in just my subjective opinion, I'm not throwing this out to everyone. Just in my my uh, little mind here, I don't prefer buttons. I love your button. I don't like buttons on me. Buttons they 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 poke holes in your shirt and they make your shirt droop down and they just you know we, there's been an evolution from buttons to name tags to lanyards. Well, I knew a guy one time who always wore a button. And it wasn't a small button. It was a big, round button. And he wore it everywhere he went. He wore it to church. He wore it to his job. When you'd see him around town, he always had this huge button on. Everywhere he went, this guy had a button on. I wondered if he slept in button. buttons. Everywhere he went, big, huge, round button. But you know what was cool about this button? This button had a picture of his daughter. So every few weeks when you'd see him, he'd updated the button and you'd see a new picture of his daughter. Can I tell you that was one cool button because it was a father who took extreme delight in his child, carrying it close to his heart. That kind of love comes straight from the Father to us. The Father who says, You are my son. You are my daughter. I delight in you. You are my beloved. And today it, it worked out so well that that the book of Mark, just where our text was today, came to this came to this passage. You know, Father's Day brings up a lot of different emotions. What I don't want Father's Day to do is become let's let's uh, bludgeon the dads in here. Dad, you are the problem. Society is not growing because dads. Wah, wah. Can I just tell you that that I honored the dads today. No father is who they should be. That's why we have a heavenly Father, and that heavenly Father is revealing His love to us today. He loves every single one of us. So let's just right now put down the guilt for not being the fathers we should have been. Let's put down the misconception that somehow we've been tricked because we don't have the type of relationship with our Father that we wish we had. And let's instead, let's receive the Father's love today. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.